Ladies and gentlemen, it's Thursday. Oh, um, you're done already? I can... I... Okay, it's enough. No, okay, no, no, no. You want to no, get no, going? No, 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 no. I wanted that last little string. That's all I wanted. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. Oh, there goes one. Oh, there goes another. Oh, they're all gone now. Now we're talking to ourselves. <laughs> Well, that's okay. That means we can yell more and be even nice. more than normal. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Thursday. That means it's time for the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy cool and, oh, no, because I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I fix it. You can't you can't yell at me for that one this time. Nope. That one, that one was all me. Hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> I am Christian Mogan. So this is TopSpeed.com podcast. You should know about us by now because you're awesome and you listen every week and you know what we are. Um, this week I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief Justin Coupler. Hi, Justin. Howdy, everyone. How is you today, Mr. Christian? I'm, I'm tired, but I'm doing well. I've, my allergies are acting up a little bit, so my eyes are itchy. But otherwise, I think I'll survive. Um, we have no Mark this week because Mark is a dirty, dirty bum, and he's actually on vacation this week. <sighs> so um, he, is, he is not here with us, which is sort of annoying because um, he's actually only like an hour away from me is where he's vacationing. Maybe not even that far, 40 minutes. Well, he should be in there with you. I told him he should just show up at my house. And and... You guys can cozy up next to each other on one chair and you know, hug each other and do the podcast. Well, I would have moved everything over and I would have done it on the couch over there, but yeah. Well, yeah, gotta... <laughs> on the couch, huh? You can really snuggle up there, can't you? <laughs> it gives him room to lay down if he cuddles. <laughs> All right. Anyways, hi, everyone. Welcome. Um, you know how this works. We're going to talk about cars and awesome things. We're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about stuff we've driven. Um, and then we are going to, yeah, say hi, bye, and we'll see you again next week. So let's start with the weekly wheels. Um, Mr. Justin has not been driving anything other than his own cars because <laughs> he's a terrible person. Nobody likes him. Yes. Um, but I have a trio of things to talk about, so... <laughs> We're going to talk about the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon X, which was my press car last week, and then we're going to talk about two more cars from my time at Flying Miata. Um, I think I'm going to do Elvis and the Exus. Parker, thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to do Elvis and the Exus this week, because last week was mostly Nancy and Betty. We're going to do Elvis and Exus this week. But um, we're going to start with the Jeep, which um, you'll get to see my full review and watch my video review soon. But uh, basically what I think of it is it's an incredible car unless you buy it. Because if you buy it, you probably live in the city, and buying a Rubicon is stupid, and you're an idiot. Yeah, there's uh, nothing worse than seeing someone riding around in like the, 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 the concrete jungle in a jacked-up Jeep. Like, what are you doing? Right. Now, like, I will give you the thing actually has a very compact foot, footprint, and it has a very tight turning radius. So things like that are good. For being in the city, but it's very uncomfortable. It's obnoxiously loud. <laughs> Obviously, most of it is made of plastic and cloth, so if you live in an area where theft is common, it's a terrible thing to own. Fuel economy is absolute garbage, and the thing is damn near $40,000 for the Rubicon X with all the options. So, like, you're paying forty grand for a car that will swallow gasoline, make you uncomfortable and hot all the time, and you can't leave anything in it because it'll all get stolen. But if you live not there, not in the middle of the city, if you live out in the middle of nowhere like I do, and there's a huge muddy field across the street, 
and there's a giant dry creek bed down the road, and there's mountains that are full of fire trails that you can drive up of. Like, this is the best car in the entire world. Holy crap, is it awesome. Um, so, being the Rubicon, it's got, like, all the extra stuff. So I've got huge, chunky wheels on it with big, aggressive mud tires instead of, like, the street tires you get on the Sport. Um, I got Dana 44 axles front and rear, electronic locking diffs, electronically disconnecting sway bars. Nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like, I've, always, I've always wondered how those work. I've never actually seen a video on them. So I've always been curious. Like, does it have, like, those big latches? To... Um, it, it actually looks it's, – it's really hard to sort of get in there and, and see it. But it looks like the sway bar is actually in a motor. Mm-hmm. And then so um, I didn't get underneath there when I was playing, playing with it. But, like, what it looks like happens is when you do the thing, that motor will un- undo, basically, and, like, the sway bar can come out the side. And I guess it's on a tether of some sort, and it can reel that tether back in to lock the sway bar back in place. <laughs> That's just awesome. But yeah, there's like a big. It looks like a big old school headlight motor from like the mid, like like what's on my Porsche, and then the sway bar just goes into either side of it. <laughs> nice. So yeah, I'm like, oh, all right, that's cool. But like, it's it's awesome. And so I've got obviously the four wheel drive system. You know, it's adjustable. I've got two high, four high, four low. When you put it into four low, it automatically cuts off all the traction stuff. So traction control, stability control, and all that stuff turns off instantly when you put it in the four, four low because Jeep knows you're going to be rolling around and getting dirty and possibly tipping over and spinning wheels and all that stuff. So, like, we'll turn off all the nannies. Have fun. Um, but I was sad with my Jeep, though, because I had all the options that made it a city Jeep. Uh-huh. I had leather steering wheel. I had heated leather seats. I had navigation. I had the speakers in the door. Like, I remember old-school Wranglers, like, you could, when they showed up, you just open up the door and then pick up on them and they'd come off. Mm-hmm. The new ones aren't quite like that. Yeah, they actually have bolts holding them in now. Yeah, there are huge uh, bolts that go into the bottom of the pin, and they're like massive Torx bolts. Um, bigger than anything I own. I mean, they look like, I guess if I had to pick a millimeter size, they're maybe like a 12 or 13 millimeter wide Torx nut. My God. And then, because the doors have speakers and electric motors in them, because they have power power windows and power locks, you have to unplug this huge cable, and then there's a tether holding the door to the cabin so that when the door opens, it won't pull tight on the cable. Mm-hmm. So like, you have to undo the cable, undo the tether, undo the bolts, and then the door can come off. So I guess it's safe to say this isn't one you're going to rip the doors off and hose it out with water, huh? <laughs> no, not this one. Not not with the Uconnect system and the leather seats and all that stuff. No. And so that made me really sad because I've got all the best off-road goodies, but then I was full of this luxury crap, and I'm like, well, now what the hell am I going to do? See, I'm not, not going to fill this with red dirt and mud. That's what a lot of uh, Jeep enthusiasts have been bitching about with the, with the Wrangler. I mean, the whole Jeep lineup has gotten kind of soft over the years. Um, but the the Wrangler in particular, you hear a bunch of griping from them saying, why do you need a Wrangler with a Uconnect system, with leather interior, with this, that, and the other thing? And it's, I know why. I know why. It's because they want to cater to the mommy and daddy who are driving Sally and Johnny to the soccer field, but still want a little bit of off-roading. But shouldn't you think if you're building a Rubicon model, the Rubicon, you know, it should be just the no-frills, basic, big hunkin' wheels, plastic floor, sprayed out. Um... I would just figure they should make a different lineup that has that stuff. You know, don't make the Rubicon so plush. You know, make a different line, a different luxury line instead of making the Rubicon that plush. Well, so like that's the thing though is most of this was was options. Um, like I had an option for the leather seats. I had an option for the Uconnect system. And it's like I don't know. 
damn it, don't bring me those options. I'm just wondering what the take rate is on these luxury features. I mean, is it really I worth it? I guarantee you it's super high. See, the problem is somebody who wants to beat the hell out of their Jeep isn't going to buy a Rubicon, mostly because we're all young and stupid and we can't afford a Rubicon. So instead of paying $40,000 for that Jeep, you buy a $20,000 base sport, and then you put it on a suspension lift, and then you put it on huge freaking boggers, and then you swap out the axles for Danas, and like you do all that shit yourself later when you can afford to. You piece it together. You know, you buy you buy an old used Jeep for $10,000 and start throwing parts at it. You don't walk into the dealer and spend forty grand. I don't know. Some of us are young and stupid enough to do that. <laughs> well, but if you're young and stupid, you probably don't have the money to spend forty thousand dollars on a new car. This is true. I just I just miss the old days of the Jeeps where they were all crap. Every single Jeep Wrangler was just a hunk of hunk of nothing that could go off road and go in snow and whatever you wanted. If you dented up the door, you plundered it out and went on your merry way. No, like it's still built that way. It just happens They're to so have leather seats. And a navigation system crammed in the center dash. I mean, it still feels like it's built out of mashed up tin cans. <laughs> it's loud. It rattles. It's super uncomfortable. It's like wayward. The steering wheel's not attached to anything. I mean, it's it's all that stuff is still there. Like I said, somebody just put speakers in the doors and power windows and a navigation system and some other seats. How does that Pentastar feel in the in the uh, in the Wranglers? It feel pretty good in the Wrangler because I know back in the day when it had the old four cylinder, it was just a a turd. <laughs> um, so the new V6 is good. I don't know if I'd say it's as good as the old four liter straight six. It's well, there's not much that was better than the old four liter straight six. So like it's it's weird, and I don't know if it's just because my Jeep is so much heavier than other Jeeps that I've been in. Like for having 300 horsepower, it did not feel like I had 300 horsepower. I mean, the Pentastar is still great. So I've only got a five-speed auto in the in in the Jeep, but transmission shifted just fine, and it you know wasn't afraid to downshift. It felt strong enough for doing anything you wanted to do to it, and you know it's just you're driving around, and it felt just like a car. The V6 had enough power to get you moving, but like when you think, oh, I have 300 horsepower, and you stand on the pedal, like you don't feel 300 horsepower. I guess just because my Jeep's really heavy, but you're like, oh, I'm not really going anywhere that fast. What if it has something to do with the with the full time four wheel drive or, or? Well, no, because it's it's a, a manually adjustable transfer case, so I left oh, it in it too high most of the time. Oh, oh, I forgot they they manually are they adjustable now? Yeah, so it was, it was just too high almost all of all of the time, unless I was going to get dirty, and it was just like not slow. But not 300 horsepower fast. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just I, something about the new Wranglers. I love them still, but just something about it just feels weaker than they were back in the 80s and 90s and or 90s. I'm sorry, 80s. Yeah. <laughs> back in the 90s and, and the old CJs back in the 80s and 70s. It just don't. It doesn't feel the same to me for some reason. Maybe it's because you see so many plush ones out there. And it's just been they've been kind of sterilized because of that. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> That one's, that one's a given, I think. <laughs> yeah, many years ago, I remember driving down to Virginia Beach from Pennsylvania, driving a mid-1990s Wrangler base model four-cylinder five-speed, loaded up with gear. Uh, everyone's luggage was shoved in the back of it. And you want to talk about a dog? Uh, doing 60 miles an hour with that flat front end and all, I think, 100 horsepower of that four-banger was not 
a fun trip. <laughs> that, that v- yeah, that sounds pretty terrible. Yeah, it's pretty awful. So that V6 has to be a much nicer addition. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, no, like it, 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 it was a good engine. Um, like I said, it just, it just didn't feel as fast as I thought it should for 300 horsepower. But um, yeah, uh, let's move on to something that actually does have lots of power. So um, last week I talked about Atomic Betty, which was a car I drove at Flying Miata, and it's a modern Miata. It's a 2009 with a V8 in it. Now, it's a fairly base-level LS3 engine in it. It's got the 430 camps. It's supposed to make 430 horse, horsepower, six-speed manual, very nice and plush, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's got a Ford rear, rear end in the back of it. It's just a nice car. Well, I also drove Elvis while I was there, and Elvis is an older generation Miata. It's it's an NB. Um, I think Elvis might be a 99 or 2000. Um, but so Elvis is, well, the same generation as your Miata, Justin. Yeah. But uh, they also put a V8 in it, and Elvis is actually one of their first V8 cars. And there's a lot of differences between Elvis and between Betty. For starters, Elvis doesn't have the Ford rear end like Betty does. Elvis has the same rear end that GM puts in the Cadillac CTS-V. So, yeah, so I've got a lightweight clutch pack limited slip diff in the rear of Elvis, and the uh, LS3 engine, instead of having the 430 cam that comes in the base car, has a hotter 480 cam. So it's 480 horsepower rated from the factory. Elvis is also lighter. Elvis has different seats in it that actually have suede inserts in them to keep you in place. Um, Elvis has a slightly different suspension setup, I believe, and he has slightly different brakes. So I got to interrupt you. My my dad's Chevelle. I think it has the LS3, and I think he put the 480 cam. I have to check that with him, but he said it was a hotter cam, so I can only assume it's the 480. And um, that thing hauls ass, and that's like a 4,000 pound car, a little under 4,000. I think it's like 36 or 3,700. I can only imagine. Like the 2600 pound Miata with that kind of insanity, plus the rear end from the CTSV. That's insane. Well, Elvis, Elvis is, I think, 2750 eh. because of the extra weight. Most of the weight is actually from the transmission. The uh, V8 doesn't weigh that much more than the old four cylinder does. Most of the weight comes from that T56. <laughs> um, as nuts as that is. Well, it doesn't surprise me. I think the LS3 is all aluminum and the old. Yeah, no, it's all of, all of the Corvette LSs, the LS1, LS2, and LS3 are all solid aluminum engines. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the Miata was a, was a cast, maybe a cast iron with an aluminum head, I think. Yeah, I think it might have been a cast block with an aluminum head. Um, but so, like, it feels like a muscle car. So um, they're, they're talking about changing the cam out, potentially, because um, the 480 cam is not very smooth cam. It gives the car a really rough idle, but it makes it feel like a classic muscle car because it's like a really rough and thumpy idle. So like when you come to stop, you're going, and you have, of course, the big dual exhaust that they put on this thing that just bellows noise. You just it, it does. Like if you were to just close your eyes sitting on a bench and this car pulled up, you would think there was like a 67 Chevelle sitting there or something. And you give it a little bit of gas, it goes, and it comes down to idle really slowly. And it's just, oh, yeah. So I talked about how in Betty you could put the car in fourth gear and still do a burnout if you wanted to. With Elvis, you can do it in fifth. That's just ridiculous. You can just slot the car in fifth and just... 
Um, <laughs> and and back to funny sciences. Again, this is just all about math. So the way those cars are geared at those rear ends, um, in fifth gear they'll do theoretically like 206 miles an hour. So if Elvis could hit that speed, you could take off in fifth gear and go from a dead stop to 206 miles an hour without ever shifting. <laughs> I'm just imagining that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like it's hard to kind of wrap your brain around what they've done to this thing. Well, you figure how light the car is combined with the torque curve. Yeah, I guess I could see that if you redline it and just pound on it. It's, well, it's not like just... you don't even have to red redline it because that engine has so much torque so low. You can just, little... just ride the clutch a little bit and then you can just take off. It'll shudder oh. and stutter for just a second, but you can just take off and fit. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. Yeah. No shifting fifth gear. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but and, and, and just think about like what they've done. So like with Betty, which is 2,800 pounds, right? If you have a brand new C7 Corvette convertible, that thing weighs 3,400 pounds. Mm-hmm. No, 3,300 pounds. Yeah, it's 3,300 pounds. Atomic Betty and Elvis are both about 2,800 pounds. So it's 500 pounds less than a Corvette with more horsepower than a Corvette. Yeah. That's just like... I I say that these cars are fast. People are like, well, I, I get they're fast, but there's no way they can actually be faster like you say, than a GTR once you get moving, or than the Lamborghini. I'm like, they feel faster. And again, it's take a Corvette and cut that power out. And when I was doing math for writing my Atomic Betty review, power-to-weight ratio for um, Atomic Betty, which only pulls out 410 on their dyno, um, has about the same power-to-weight ratio as a Porsche 911 Turbo. Whew. Elvis has about the same power-to-weight ratio as a 911 Turbo S. And that, that's the figure so many people ignore. They're so focused on how many horsepower, how many horsepower, how many horsepower. Well, still, it's got nearly 500. Well, yeah, it still has that. But still, people don't think about that power-to-weight. That makes so much of a difference. And torque-to-weight, people don't think about that either. I mean, that's a huge part of acceleration is torque-to-weight as well. Yep. Um, so many people ignore those numbers. So, so yeah, um... I don't like Elvis as much as I like Betty, mostly because I don't like the NB as much as I like the NC. Um, and like I loved how Betty felt, just like a really good car. And Elvis's personality is more rough and tumble, kind of like a muscle car. Cause it, it's a little bit louder. It's a little bit rougher. It's idles a little off. Like it's it feels more built up muscle car and less just really nice GT sports sports car. So um, I don't like it as much as Betty, but it is faster. <laughs> <laughs> All this talk about these V8 Miatas makes me want to go buy just an NB and you know because I don't want to ruin my Mazda speed. I don't want to do that. So go buy some NB and slap some insane insane engine in it and just have a blast. But I don't know. I just have a well, weird thing about a V8 in a Miata. Keith's first V8 target target car, the first V8 he was using was a 5.3 Vortec from from a truck. <laughs> well, really? Elvis, the very the very first engine for a V8 they put in Elvis was actually from an old Firebird. <laughs> what, a 5.7? Uh, I think it might have been, yeah. They, they found a Firebird Trans Am that had been junked and that's what they pulled the engine out of. 
And uh, for a short amount of time, they because because they have a, a vinyl cutter at, at work or at the shop, they actually took and they made a flaming chicken for the hood of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. That's awesome. I'll have to see if I can find find a photo of that somewhere somewhere for you. But so the big flaming chicken on the top of a Miata, powered by a Firebird V8. <laughs> that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I mean, you could you, you could do it, and you could even do it to your muscle speed. Um, most of Flying Miata's V8 and B customers are actually doing the Mazda speeds because the Mazda speeds have nicer and in, nicer interiors and a better body kit. So if they're going to have this super fast, nice car, they want the nicest version to start with. And I just I, I couldn't see myself pulling that that engine. I, I some people complain about the turbocharged engine, and I I actually prefer it over the over the naturally aspirated one in the NB generation. So. Well, there you go. Um, if you like your naturally aspirated engines, uh, you should buy an Exoset. I think I'm going to actually. Yeah. Um, how much does the Exoset run? I can't. I can't remember. I read in your review, but the base kit is six grand. Oh God, that's not bad at all. That's the rolling fast. Yeah, the sport kit you you want is seven grand, and that's the one that's got mounts. Basically, there's like one extra crossbar in it, so you can mount five point harnesses into it. That's the one you want. But but you pay six or six or seven grand for this kit, and then you just buy a wrecked Miata. And basically, the way it's set up is you unbolt what's called the roller skate from the from the Miata, which is mm-hmm. the front and rear sub sub frames, engine trans transmission, and the transaxle. Or I guess they they don't they don't have a transaxle axle, axle set up the the drive shaft. Basically, you just drop the running gear out of it, and then you can set the exoset frame on top of it. Bolt up the suspension. Bolt up the engine. Then you put a gas tank on the back of it, and it uses the Miata gas tank, and then you set the Miata seats and the Miata steering column in it, and then that's it. You're good to go. Now, the Exocet, does, it, does the Exocet actually have a body, or is it just a tubular frame? It does have a body. They didn't have one. Like, um, It hadn't been shipped to them yet. They were waiting on it to show up for the event, and it didn't make it. Okay. Um, Exocet has been so overwhelmed with orders for these cars that they're about 10 or 12 weeks behind on the chassis. Um, they have work that they're working on getting a windshield for it so that it can be legal in certain states because in certain states it can't be legal if it doesn't have a windshield and it, can't yeah. be legal if it doesn't have wipers. So they're working on that, but they had to stop working on that so they could actually ship out the cars. I got um, so all in, all in. I'm saying probably let's see. You said six grand for the for the for the for the basics. seven seven yeah. for the one you want. Seven for the one that I want. A wreck Miata. A thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, what depends on what generation. An uh, NB. You know, and be probably a little well, yeah, I could see that if you find one that's mashed up well enough. But then you have to find out the roller skate that the you know the subframe and everything's not shattered either. Still um, fifteen fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah, fifteen hundred gets you that. So you're talking eighty five hundred gas tank, another. No, 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 because it uses the gas tank from the Miata. Oh, like, oh. Literally, it, yeah. it uses literally everything from the Miata: brakes, suspension, wheels, gas tank, steering column, dash, all of it. And it's street legal in most states. Hmm. Well, it doesn't come with lights. Oh no lights. So well, but you have to put they there. There are a lot of light kits on it, but yeah, like in Tennessee, I can put a headlight and a tail light, and I can register it. Yeah, I think this is kind of how it is down here in Florida too, because they don't have any inspection. They don't care if it roll. You see some of the crap we see on the roads here. Yeah. we're talking cars with no hoods on them, just cruising down the road. <laughs> yeah, if if I could drive it to the uh, registration office, like basically, I can register it. <laughs> but I just imagine because. Think about it. Uh, Caterham just brought those two new uh, two new sevens to the market. It's like forty thousand dollars for a rolling chassis. Well, but so here's 10, the problem 10, with cars like that. Ten thousand dollars for the engine. 
<laughs> right, but 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 here's here's the problem with all those cars. The aerial, uh, anything that Lotus makes, all of that. These are all kit cars that you put mm -hmm. pieces into. The Exocet has been designed completely around the Miata. So the wheelbase is exactly the same. None of that is modified. Even the place they put the seats at, mm -hmm. your exact seating position, forward and back from the wheels, is exactly the same as a Miata. I even think how high your ass is off the ground is exactly the same as a Miata. Well, see, so the catering... It's not hard to drive, though. It still feels like a Miata in every way. Yeah, well, I wouldn't call the Caterham a kit car. See, it comes as a rolling chassis, fully assembled if you want it. Um... Right. Well, but it's, it's it started life essentially as as a, a kit car, and like that's that's how they're built. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're getting at. What yeah. what the Exocet essentially is is just a different body for a Miata. Instead of a different car that you put Miata bits into, it's just a different body for a Miata. Okay, I got you. The difference is that body happens to weigh a thousand pounds less. <sighs> yeah. Ah. Uh, uh. A no, full build is about sixteen hundred dollars. I just put, just take my Mazda Speed body. I put that on. Roll me over. Take my money. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, now, like there, there are some things you will want to change about your your car. Um, apparently, the stock Miata wheels look ridiculous on on the exit. Oh my god! Yeah. On, on the exit. So you want some new wheels. Um, brakes, I've been told, are okay, but a lot of people get a better brake brake kit. Um, a lot of people upgrade the suspension, and then obviously some racing seats. Yeah. But even if you want to do suspension upgrade, wheel upgrade, brakes, and seats, you can still get out for like $10,000 if you build it yourself. So like you can have a Ariel Adams style exoskeleton freaking race car that you can drive on the street with a couple of lights, and it's $10,000. Yeah, fly me out. Give me a call and uh, ask me for my debit card, please. I'm ready to go. Oh, wait. Don't get any money out of that. Never mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I forgot I lacked that part. Damn it. Remember, you're a journalist. You don't make yes, any we money. we make money. We work for cookies. <laughs> That's right. Actually, I could uh, I could go for some cookies. I probably have some out there. You want me to give you some? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a long drive for me to go to get some cookies. What are you, 10, 12 hours? Uh, something in that range. <laughs> Just gives you an excuse to drive fast. Yeah. I did that once. I'll be careful again. <laughs> yeah, all well, right. I know that story. <clears throat> Anyways, we're all going to move on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's, let's go ahead and hit the news. Um, uh, we'll let Justin start with some news. We'll do a couple pieces from him, then I'll jump in with some video game stuff, and then we'll finish out with some more news. All right. Well, I'll kick off here with Hellcat. Yay! In four doors, 707 horsepower. Um, we all knew it was coming. Dodge never confirmed it, but we knew it was coming. What's good for the Charger, or Challenger, is good for the Charger, and voila, here's the Charger SRT Hellcat. It came about three days early. They actually debuted it yesterday, and we were expecting it to debut on the 16th. So it came a couple days early. I sat through the whole 30-minute spiel, um, their uh, live feed on the Internet. Fortunately, this time they didn't tease us by releasing a freaking, uh, what they released last time, that silly the Pro game. Master. Yeah, the Pro <laughs> Master. I sat through that. You know, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and and all, the, uh, all the commenters on it were about in the same mood as I was. <laughs> but they released it. It's the exact same as the Challenger almost. 707 horsepower, 650 foot-pound. Um, uh, suspension upgrades, body upgrades. They changed out the grill, which I think did a whole lot for this car. I hate the front end of the new Charger. Don't get me wrong. I still hate it. But they got rid of the crosshair grill and gave it more of a, a mesh design. 
which really makes it look a lot less like a dart, I'm sorry to say. It makes it look a whole lot less like a dart. Uh, the interior is real nicely done. And what's really cool about this is it's about 12% more aerodynamic than the Challenger, so 12% less drag. What this results in, in is a 204 mile per hour top speed. That's five miles per hour faster than the Challenger. All because of aero, because SRT does not limit anything electronically. It's all aero. Anything they build, it's top speed is because of aerodynamics or motor capacity or whatever. Um, 204. 204. And what's better, got to hear this, quarter mile time. I saw that. 11 like... seconds flat. No point anything. 11 seconds. 2.2 which, seconds. Which means there is a slight theoretical chance that if you got the perfect launch on the perfect run in the perfect weather, you could break into the 10s. Yes. Um, <laughs> that means this thing is 0.2 <laughs> seconds faster than the Challenger, um, which is incredible. And that is, according to CEO of Dodge, he says it's because of the higher weight of the challenge, or the Charger. actually allows it to launch a little bit better because more weight moving back. More traction. It down. Yeah. Um, but weirdly enough, the 0 to 60 time is 0.2 seconds slower than the Challenger. It's 3.7 seconds, so the Challenger's 3.5. That, that I can only assume is because of the weight-to-torque ratio. Um, doesn't quite have enough torque to get the weight moving as quickly, whereas the, challenge, the Challenger's slightly lighter with the same torque, so it's going to get the 60 a little faster. Uh, but once you get to that quarter-mile point, the horsepower takes over and the challenge, or the Charger wins. Um, but overall, it's com just completely awesome. I love the fact they kept the horsepower the same. They did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They did not give them the manual transmission. They kept it with the eight-speed torque flight auto. Um, kind of sucks, but we all know they are never, ever, ever going to put a manual in the Charger. They've said that a million times, and they continue it now with the Hellcat. Um, it's supposed to be released quarter one of 2015, so we're looking like a January, February, March release. Um, and there's no pricing yet, but I'm assuming it's going to come in right about the same price as the uh, Challenger. Maybe a couple pennies less, but probably just right about that that same range. But ultimately, this makes. I think it, it might be a little bit more than the than the, than the really? Challenger because isn't in general the Charger slightly more money than the Challenger? You know, I'm honestly not too sure. I meant to check that, uh, but I I'm not too sure. Bail. I'm sorry. <laughs> I the Challenger was slightly more expensive, but that was back when it first came out, and all they had was the SRT version, not the V6. So I might be off on that. So it might be a little bit more. I'm not sure. Um, but it's not going to be, if it's anymore, it's not going to be it's, much Yeah, it's going to be minimal. Yeah, and it's the fastest production sedan ever, ever. Nothing else is close, nothing. Which makes me really sad because for a long time that was a CTSV. Yeah, so everybody but in But still, America. Yeah, America. hell yeah. Now you have to see what Chevy does. Is Chevy going to make some hot version of the SS? No, probably not. The SS is lucky to even be here right now. Yeah, no, I do think that a detuned LT4 in the CTSV may be coming. And if they already had the record with 556 horsepower, I don't see why they couldn't re-steal back that record with 635 or 640 horsepower. Well, if it, I don't, I still don't think it's that kind of power. I don't think the CTSV could still. Well, they were able to hit 198 before with 556. Mm -hmm. So they've yeah, only got six it. more miles an hour to get. And I guarantee you the Cadillac is way more aerodynamic than the than the. Challenger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Challenger's Our, rolling sled. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, th I think with, like, 100 more horsepower or 80 more horsepower, they may be able to eke out that extra six miles an hour. 
Possibly, but the Chargers still going to hold the record as the most powerful. So yes, <laughs> Chargers yes, still it, wins. Yes, it will still be the most powerful. Um, yeah, because seven hundred and seven. Um, I <laughs> Mercedes will knock them off soon. Um. Well, yeah. Well, possibly. because they were because they were the old record holder, weren't they? I'm not too sure to be honest. I think Probably they had it with one of their so. E-class sedans. I, th- I think it was one of the AMG E-classes e had. Well, it's like, well, we all know Mercedes. They're going to limit everything to 180-something miles per hour in their AMG lineup, and they're never going to get the top speed record. So, still, right. Charger wins. But, but they can still go, horsepower! <laughs> no, because the horsepower in! <laughs> the horsepower! Oh, no, wait. How do you say what's what's the PS stand for? I can never remember what PS stands for. Preskishishkin or something. Something like that, yeah. But anyways, yes, yay America. Charger SRT Hellcat. Uh, just a whole lot of awesome, and it makes me drool and want to pay $60,000 for it. But again, they don't take cookies, so. Right. Um, I think it's cool that we're actually going to have another American Super Sedan for cheap. Because, like, for me, that was one of the things that made the CTSV so awesome, is aside from the fact that they sold it in Sedan Coupe and freaking Wagon, is the fact that it was, like, 65 grand. So yeah. you had this 556 horsepower, nearly 200 mile an hour American luxury sedan for like the price of a Corvette. Yeah. And uh, now that we have two of them, that's awesome. And one side note about this, I hear people on like on Google or on the different social media sites bitching and moaning about, oh, what about the Viper? What about the Viper? Oh, it's more powerful than the Viper. Look, guys, power isn't all that matters. Yeah, it may they be more powerful than the Viper. Cars. The Viper is still faster. Yes, they are two different cars. Don't Take the Charger SRT Hellcat on, uh, name any track, Laguna Seca. Take it on, <laughs> on Laguna Seca. Put the Viper next to it. Tell me who wins. I bet the Viper wins by a minute and a half. <laughs> I don't know about a minute and a half because that's like the lap times I think at Laguna Seca are only like a minute and 20. I know. I'm exactly But um, like I imagine seeing a rolling fireball as the challenger tries to take <laughs> the corkscrew. It gets around the first turn and then just hits the gravel and just goes tumbling into the abyss. You know, that corner used to kill me in, in all, the, all the racing games. I can only imagine in real life. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> I want to go and I want to race it bad. Yes. That's on yes. the bucket list. Dodge, give us three of them. One for me, one for you, and one for Mark, I guess. No, because Mark took a, took a vacation and he's yeah. here. Yeah. So just one for me, one for you, and Mark can do the podcast all by himself. Exactly. It'll just be him crying into a microphone. I don't have a Hellcat. <laughs> I'm not at Laguna Seca. <laughs> and then we have both dying fireballs, and he's, ha ah. <laughs> I didn't die in a fireball in a Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, more awesome and cool things. So we've talked about before, and you guys know that Jaguar was building a new series of classic E-types called lightweights. They, the lightweight E-type didn't get built back in the 60s, so now they're like, we're going to build them because we have all these bodies. Um, they are finally doing that, and we have the E-type Car Zero Reveal. Did you just say Jaguar? Yes, because I hate Jaguar. We're American, Jaguar. No, it's not Jaguar. <laughs> it's not Jaguar. Yes. It's like, it's not a potato. Potato. Yeah, it is a tater. No, it's a potato. <laughs> Who's going to cover this one, you or me? Cause we uh, well, you can go ahead and start, and then and then I'll just go, yeah, it's awesome. Yes, it rocks. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, so they built it. And it's identical to the 1963 model, which is 
awesome. You know, all of us kind of in the back of our mind knew they were going to do it just like they said they were, but then in the back of our mind, we're all kind of like, I hope they don't screw this up. I know. But, there's always that worry. You're like, yeah. this, this could be perfect. That means you're going to ruin it. Yes, I was so afraid they're going to do something silly or, 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 or make the body one piece so you couldn't see the welds and rivets and the interior and all the ugliness that went along with the beauty of the E-Type lightweight. But they didn't. It's all 1,000% accurate. There's not a thing in it that's different from the original, all the way down to the XK engine. The 3.8 liter inline six, uh, 340 horsepower, you can get either a trio of Weber carburetors or mechanical fuel, inju- fuel injection from Lucas. Both are 340 horsepower. It's like 280 pound-feet of torque, something like that. Four-speed manual transmission, not a five-speed or six-speed. Um, and it, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Big, long hood, weighs, what, 1,000 kilograms, something ridiculous like that. Yeah, it's it's so stunning in so many ways. Little skinny tires up front, just like I it's just, supposed to have. Oh. Right, Like and, it, and yeah, so like Jag's like, hey, we have these old bodies that are registered and all that stuff, and like we can produce these cars, and we're going to make them just like we did in the old days with the old engines. And everyone's like... No, you're not, because nobody really wants that, and that's hard to do, and it costs money, and it's, you know, it's it's just not the way the world works anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they freaking did it. Yeah, and, and they they even sent out some parts to be to be assembled and stamped to to aluminum aluminum smiths, you know, real aluminum builders. They didn't say, okay, let's try to make this work here. They yeah. didn't spare any expense. They shipped it out and had it done. I mean, hell, you can get triple Weber carbs. When I know. was the last time that phrase was ever uttered about a new car? <laughs> yes, I know that technically it's a 1964 or whatever, but holy shit, it's triple Weber carbs. I know. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, the way they did it was astonishing. It's, it's perfect. Every Down to the leather strap holding the holding the, the hood down is just perfect. Every single... I hate the word bonnet, but I really want to say bonnet now because... If you say bonnet, I'm logging off. I'm just... I'm over like, the log-off button right now. Don't it, say it. It's like... A, uh, it, it's an early 60s Jag with uh, leather straps. I'm going to push it. I'm going to push it. <laughs> Can I at least call them bonnet straps? Okay. Leather bonnet <laughs> straps. <laughs> That's like people who spell leader, L-I-T-R-E. <laughs> just annoys me. <laughs> but I know, I'm sorry, any Brit out there, I'm sorry, I apologize, but I'm American. It's L-I-T-E-R. That spells litre, in my opinion. But anywho, enough bashing. <laughs> well, I I do have to say I spell leader R E a lot of the time, but it's mostly because that's just the way my fingers work. And I get if I have an E R on any word, I almost always seem to hit my index finger first, and I do R E instead. That's like me with saying te. <laughs> that's like me with pet instead of the. <laughs> yeah, I type. Yeah, those those are my my two worst is E R. So like I do type things like leader the European way. And then, yeah, I say tuh a lot, T-E-H. <laughs> and it's really – but see, tuh is, is great because most programs will fix that. Yeah, most. Nothing will fix leader spelled the European way because it's still correct. Technically. So I have like I'll, – I'll write a thing, and I'll have half of leaders spelled the American way and half of the leaders spelled the European way. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> but yes, it's here, and the cool thing, the really cool thing is, is that JAG is offering buyers the opportunity to make each E-Type their own. They're not going to say, okay, you have to take the rolling, unpainted silver one. You can't have any other way. 
they're giving them the opportunity to make bespoke interiors, various colors. Uh, they have a gobs of different rear end ratios they're offering for people that want to do different things with it. I think the factory one's a 331, I believe. Um, so they're offering all kinds of different options so buyers can make them their own and we'll have a bunch of unique, you know, six unique Jaguar E-types. And I'm really excited to see all six of them roll out and see what each different buyer did. And I'm excited to see just how much they really cost. There's so many rumors. Are they $1.4 million? Maybe. A lot is going to be the answer. Yes, a more than I need to know lot. probably. But um, my problem though is I think all of them should come in British Racing Green and your interior colors should be black or saddle. That's it. Yeah, but then that's going to be kind of boring. Then... There's only six of them, and this is a classic British car from the 60s that somehow, through magic and ridiculous laws, they can recreate today as full, brand-new 1960s cars. Freaking sell them in British Racing Green, your Jag, and it's one of your most famous cars. You made famous race cars? Put your famous race car paint on your car. Yeah, but I, they didn't want to give. No, I just like British Racing Green a lot. <laughs> they want to give their buyers a reason to buy the car. If every single one's going to be British Racing Green and black and tail, but man, well, there's six of them. Just I like said mine. black or saddle. Wow. And uh, like all of the suspension changes and rear end changes, like all that's fine. Like they can they can do all all that. But seriously, even if they even if they sold them all only as you know, baby poop brown with lime green interior. Do you think they'd really have a trouble selling six of them? Well, no. But still, you got to give them some options. Yeah, well, these people are rich and have more money than cents, so they can take it and have it repainted after they get it if they don't want the British Racing Green. <laughs> By God, one of those suckers better come off the line with British Racing Green or I'm going to set fire to Coventry. Oh, I'm going to laugh so hard. The whole of Coventry, I'm just going to set fire to it all. I'm going to laugh so hard if not a single one comes free tracing green. I'm going to just... Well, giggle, when you get the call from, from Scotland Yard that I've been arrested for setting fire to the whole of Coventry, you'll know why. And you won't <laughs> think it's funny then, will you? <laughs> so, people of Britain, if you live in Coventry and there is not a British racing green jag lightweight, please move immediately because your home will be set upon by massive fire. <laughs> Set upon by massive fire. Wow. What is Shakespeare? <laughs> I'm talking to British people. Oh, yeah. yeah I'd like to British people. <laughs> I'm trying to be more proper. <laughs> Your home shall be set upon with massive amounts of fire. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's talk about really super crazy cool and awesome cars that um, even though we can't own, we can actually sort of drive. Um, so Forza. Uh, we had a pretty big story that came out this week. At least I thought it was pretty big. Some of you guys are not so sure, and I'm going to tell you that you're wrong in a second. Um, so we had uh, some exclusive early access to a bunch of materials for an upcoming Forza 5 update. Um, and Forza Motorsports 5, they announced uh, the same time that we said our piece live that uh, there is that the Rolls-Royce Wraith is going to be available to drive and it's actually available now. If you have an Xbox One and Forza 5, you can hop online, download it now, and race it. And people are like, it's Rolls-Royce, who cares? Well, I'll tell you why you should care. For starters, this is the very first time Rolls-Royce has ever been licensed for any video game ever. So that's kind of a big deal. Um, if you think Rolls-Royce is, isn't about speed, Rolls-Royce has a lot of history in speed, just not a lot of history in racing. There's actually one point in time where Rolls-Royce held the world records for speed on land, sea, and air, all three at the same time. 
Like, Rolls-Royce engines have been used to go fast for a very long time. The Rolls-Royce cars just haven't been. And the new Wraith is kind of changing that. So it's sleek, cool, two-door coupe. And it is the most powerful production road car Rolls-Royce has ever made. And people like, I don't care. Well, why? Because Bentley makes a Continental, and everybody loves that thing. And this is sort of like that. It's a big, cush, luxurious car like a bit, like, like the Bentley is. It just happens to have a Rolls-Royce badge on the front and massive engines to go fast. Well, I think the Continentals is, is the Continentals a lot more sport-looking than the Wraith is. I don't when I look at the Wraith, I see a big, fat Rolls-Royce still. When I look it's at the just that grill. The grill is what does it. It's a grill and the boring headlights and the kind of flat front end and. Okay, sorry. Just the the flat nose makes it look not fast. But I really like that sharp rear cut line and the big haunches over the rear fenders. I mean, like. The ass of that thing looks really muscular. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks it looks good. I'm not falling in. I just don't get that excited about hearing about a Rolls Royce in a game. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. You know, oh. chastise me if you will, but I don't get that excited when I hear Rolls Royce. Oh boy, Rolls Royce rides! Yay! I I've always just seen Rolls Royce today as something a company bigwig rides in the back of, sipping his three thousand dollar per bottle champagne while while uh, um, his driver up front drives him to the next event. Well, you know what? Unless you have friends at Rolls-Royce and you can get me a ride in one in real life, this is the closest I can get, so don't take this away from me. <laughs> um, now the new, the new news have like some, some attachment to the Xbox that just like puts out the scent of a Rolls-Royce interior. It's oh, like, ooh, okay. great coupon and rich people. <laughs> <laughs> you smell terrific. <laughs> just sprays high-end cologne all over the... <laughs> Why does it smell like rich people and hookers in here? <laughs> My Xbox. I was driving the Rolls Royce. Um, but, oh God. Um, anyways, along with that, they also announced a few other other cars coming with it. Um, the new reasonably priced car from Top Gear, the um, Voxel 1.6 Tech Line Astra. It's a Voxel Astra. Um, 1.6 tech, tech Line from Top Gear is now available. Uh, the new Renault Spark Formula E car is available. The Q50S is available. Uh, the new 2015 Mustang is av- available. And the Q50 Eau Rouge is available. Awesome. So that's the GTR-powered Infinity. So if you're not woohoo about the Rolls-Royce, there is lots of things to be woohoo about. And Eau Rouge woohoo's me by a lot. <laughs> and so does the, uh, what's the other one, the Rally Fighter? Uh, well, no, so, so, so that's a different game. So um, that oh the, yeah that's that's motorsport two set of cars is for motor is it's yeah. motorsport five yeah right after they made that announcement they also released a brand new trailer for Forza Horizon two which comes out at the end of next month. Your dog um, doesn't like the Rolls Royce Wraith either. I hear him. <laughs> yeah, my puppy's all sad because I've got them in the other room. So if they bark, you can't hear them as loudly. Um, because they like to bark at the mailmen and the horses that walk by because they live in the country where there's horses and stuff. So they go. They really don't like the horses. Hmm. But um, yeah. So for Forza Horizon 2, they released a new trailer, and uh, they've slowly been releasing little packs of cars every week. Um, but when the trailer came out, there were three cars in it that had not been featured in any of the official lists. One of those is the Rally Fighter. One of them is what looks to be a Bowler, which if you are not familiar with the Bowler, just go watch some Top Gear. Seriously. 
It is a super crazy hardcore off-road racing car based off of a Land, uh, Land Rover. So think like if you took a Ford Raptor style car and made it out of a Land Rover. That's like what the bowler is. And uh, the KTM Crossbow or the Expo. It's the Crossbow. Anyone who says Expo, I want to punch in the face. But uh, the KTM Crossbow. So those three cars were not announced when this trailer came out, but we noticed them. We pulled screenshots. We pulled comparison shots. We got those up. And lo and behold, the very next day, the third uh, weekly set of cars came out, and right up on top is the Rally Fighter. Oh, hey, we have Mr. Andrew Burton has joined us in the chat on the YouTube. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the to the show. Um, so so yeah, so they had that in the in the trailer, and then of course we went over the actual car list itself that they've come out with. They've added 41 cars since the original list of 100. Um, a lot of really cool things are in there. So the Rally Fighter's in there. Ferrari Enzo's in there. Um, Aston Martin DBR1. There's like three or four Lancias. Uh, there's a couple of Delta Integrales. They've got, I think, the base one that they ran their first two world championship races in. Uh, then the HF model, which was the higher power one, is there. Um, they've got the Stratos is in there. Like, so many cool cars coming out. They've got Jag D-Type, I believe, that was announced. The E-Type was announced. So, like, all these really, really super cool cars are coming to this game, and if you didn't like the first Forza Horizon, well, for starters, you're 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 wrong. It was a great game, um, even if it wasn't as technical or simulation-based as the first Forza. But uh, the new one looked like it's shaping up to be a super great game. They've got a really eclectic collection of cars. I mean, they've got the old Willis Jeep in that thing, for crying out loud. Like, really cool collection of cars. Um, and you're going to be driving around Southern Europe roads that are styled after Italy and all that sort of stuff. So, like, it should be quite a quite a good time. I'm really looking looking forward to that game. Yeah, I definitely have to pick up an Xbox One because I want to play that game badly. Uh, Forza Horizon 2 is supposed to be Xbox One and Xbox 3. Oh, oh it's just, is it just 5 that's, that's Xbox five One? Is, no? 5 is just Xbox One only. Okay. I always get those two confused. They're released at the same time. I got myself all confused on both of them. <laughs> yeah. Too closely together. <laughs> so, uh, that game comes out September 30th. Uh, we will have a full review at some point, as soon as I can get a copy of the game and get to playing it. If if I disappear for like a week, you know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, where are you? <laughs> Alright. Uh, why don't you talk to me a little bit about the F12, Justin? The F12, yes. Um, you know, the F12 is it's an awesome car, so don't get me wrong at all. But it was caught testing on Nürburgring. You know, the F12 is no spring chicken. It's not some brand new crazy car anymore where it has to be tested on Nürburgring to see how fast it can be. So what exactly is it doing there? It can't be challenging the record for Nürburgring. We know that. But for some reason, it is on Nürburgring, and people are timing it unofficially at seven minutes in. Well, something just got really loud. Oh, sorry. There. I, I had my mic muted, and then I unmuted it. Oh, okay. That was weird. Um, some uh, Tour Eclipse, who's notorious for um, filming these cars on Nürburgring, timed it unofficially at 7 minutes and 8 seconds. See, I super disagree with their timing. But... Yeah, um, they timed it including a cooldown run, which is kind of right. very, and they're like, very Yeah, different. if you take the cooldown run out of it, that's probably 40 seconds, and I just I don't know about that. Yeah, that that'd be how much faster than the Enzo? That'd be almost 20 seconds faster than the Enzo, 
at 725.7. <laughs> right. And what is the, besides the Enzo, what is the other, like, fastest Ferraris? Let's see. There's the uh, 599XX at 6, 658. Yeah, um, that was... I mean, to be within 10 seconds of a race car Ferrari, a you know, non-street yeah. legal, I right. think there's something weird about their timing. But there's still the plain fact that Ferrari slotted out. I think it was two hours or so to have exclusive time to drive the F12 Berlinetta on their Berggring. What are they doing? Maybe. Well, so uh, the F12 is, what, three years old now? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, I think it's three years. So it should be coming up on its fourth year refresh. I say if it's doing anything, it's just them getting ready for that refresh. Uh, because, again, that's how Ferrari does every, everything. They have a new car every year, but it's on, like, a four- or five-year cycle. And so it's, a car comes out, and then four years later you get an updated version of it. That's why we're about to get the 458M or whatever they're going to call it. So the they're probably just testing some suspension upgrades, some engine upgrades, stuff like that. And um, with all of the stuff that's been happening on the Nürburgring lately, uh, NSX catching on fire, the uh, Cadillac's been out there testing, Ford's been out there testing, the Ford almost went out of control and crashed uh, – Somebody crashed the Nurburgring taxi, the M, the M5 the other day. Maybe, maybe Ferrari is like, you know what? Let's just buy the track for a couple of hours to do our testing, so we don't have to deal with all this flotsam floating around on the track getting in the way. Yeah, and I guess Ferrari has enough money to toss around where they can just they have all the money. Drop, drop a couple hundred thousand pounds and say, here, we'll just take it. <laughs> but still, it's. It's nice to see it there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not. I forgot all about the refresh coming up, so that is a good possibility. They're testing out some suspension bits, um, but I figured they'd be testing aero bits too, and they'd at least have some camo on it. But there wasn't any camo. Looks to be no real changes visually. Um, that might be part of their secret. It could be. Maybe it's a mule. They just swapped out some suspension bits, you know, and things that you don't see. That could be it. Um, but still, to have see it on the ring and see it even sniffing. Seven minutes and eight seconds. They could be off by a minute, and it's still an impressive time nonetheless. Right. Um, even if 7.48 was the actual official time, that's still a pretty good time for the F12. The F12 yeah, that's, like, that's still a great time. Yeah, the F12 is not the the raw performer Ferrari that we're all used to. It's not. It kinda, it's it's kind of between. I mean, it is ridiculously fast. Oh, yeah, but it's kind of like a between, between the FF and the... Um, uh, the LaFerrari. It's kind of an in-between one. It's not one of the ones that you're going to buy to go slam around the track every single day. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't really know if the FF is either, though. FF is what? A track day toy. Well, that's what I mean. It sits kind of between the FF and the LaFerrari. The LaFerrari is a track day toy you take out and slam around the track, but in FF, you're definitely not going to want to go... Oh, okay, yeah, and so it sort of splits... Okay, I got you. Yeah, it kind of splits a difference. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll give you that. Um, like I said, I think it's, I think it's interesting that Ferrari did the took the whole track down. Uh, I think that if they are testing modifications to the car, that's exactly why it looks like a normal F12 because they're already going to attract crap tons of attention by buying out the track time. So they want to hide as much as they possibly can because the moment you make a move like like that, you have more eyes on you than ever before. Yeah, if you show up a Sorella camo one, people are going to be paying even more attention. Right, so maybe if you sort of try and round that out a little bit. Yeah, we all know how secretive Ferrari is, too. <laughs> yes, and anything. <laughs> so, all right. Um, let's do, you know what, let's do more crazy fast race car things. Um, Bentley has given us some news, speaking of Bentley earlier. 
the Continental, which, again, I really like a lot. I think it's super cool. Uh, they have a really big go-fast version of that car called the GT3-R. Yeah, yeah, the R makes 20 horsepower. Woo! <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's the pirate model. The Continental GT3. Arr. There you go. Yeah, they, they released it a while back, um, but they just released the price. And what's the base Continental GT? Uh, the GT VT V8S, I think it is. What, GT V8, I think it's, yeah, 185, 200, yeah, something like that. Yeah, 185, something in that range. So you figure that the GT3R, of course, is going to have a nice premium on its head. It's going to be 50000 maybe 70000 more, somewhere in that range. Eh-eh. $337,000, even. Only Bentley could do that because everyone else can go $336,995. No, $337,000 and three zeros. And what's even worse is in the U.S. we're only going to get 99 units. They can't even squeeze 100 to the states. So we're getting all 99. I'm not sure how many total are being built, but the big thing is that number, $337,000 for a Continental. See, I really don't think it's that much money, though. That is huge. I mean, that's coming up on double the price of the base. You know, the base Continental GT. Well, yeah, but so the base has just the little V8. Isn't isn't this one built on the V12 platform or on the uh, W12 platform? Uh, it's no, it's the four liter. Oh, okay. Four liter. V8. Well, but 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 still, it's the top of the range, and above the V8 Conti, there is a W12 Conti, and there's the Conti Sport, and there's a Sporty, and there's a Conti Sport convertible. And once you start getting up there, like some of those are like 250, 260. Mm -hmm. So then the leap isn't that much. Plus, if you compare it to other cars of similar prestige and performance. So think about what Ferrari charges for the F12. Think about what Lamborghini charges for the Aventador. Mm -hmm. When suddenly you have a car that will outrun the Aventador and it's a freaking race car with the huge wing and all that shit... Like, look at Porsche. How much? How much is it, is is the GT3? Like one hundred and forty thousand dollars. So I think you're low on that. I think it's actually. Anyways, the base the base nine nine eleven is what eighty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So if Porsche can do it, why can't Bentley? It's owned by the same company. That's that's true, <laughs> and and it is an exclusive car. We all know that, and it is a yes, freaking Bentley. Yeah, See, I think I think that's how they're gonna sell it at that price. Is go. Yes, it's expensive. There's only 99. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's really how they're going to do it. The less there is, the more it gets to charge. You're going to pay what we say you're going to pay. Right. It's just like people are like, how many 700 horsepower challengers are they really going to sell for $60,000? And you go, there's only 1,500 of them. Uh, wait, hang Oof. on a second. Well, wait a second. Uh, the CEO of Dodge said that is completely not true. He said that yesterday really? when they announced it. Yeah, he said, I don't know where that rumor came from. But it, he was angry, too, whenever someone brought it up. He says, I, I don't know where that rumor came from. It's complete BS. We are not limiting this or the Challenger to any certain number. It's however many we can sell, we're going to sell. Oh, uh, see, I think that's a terrible idea. Yeah, he, so they're, they're going to flood the market however many people will buy. Which means um, nobody's going to buy them because that incentive isn't 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 there. When you know if you don't jump on it now, you can't have it, you're more likely to jump on it. But 3.7 seconds to 60 in a sedan that has 700 freaking horsepower. Yeah, I can't go around a turn, but I can go damn straight and fast. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, CTS-V will go around a turn. 
Well, Magna Reatolaurological real well. Yeah, but still. Thanks to Magna Reatolaurological shocks. <laughs> wow, you just make that up? No, that's their uh, magnetic shock, their magnetic Mag ride control. It's magnetorheological. Wow, talk Big about make up your own word. It's like, it's like yeah, a shady thing Did you know that those are the suspension setup that um, Ferrari uses? Uh, I think I've heard something about that. I don't the know. 458 uses the same shocks almost exactly as what's on the CTSB. They just <laughs> tuned, tuned it a little differently. That's like, funny. How awesome is that? You can be like, That's ridiculous. You see my Cadillac? It's got Ferrari suspension. <laughs> which which sounds a lot better than going, you see my Ferrari? It's got Cadillac suspension. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm trying to remember what damn car it was. This thing is an Oldsmobile, something like that. It had suspension as designed by Lotus on the side of the car. It said, Design suspension by Lotus. I can't remember what a lot, of, a lot of cars have had that. <laughs> it was crazy. But yes, so big, luxurious, expensive, and fast. Was it 3.6 seconds to 60 or something ridiculous like that in this 4,600 pound, I think? <laughs> 4,000. Oh, I'm, I'm wrong. 4,839 pounds. <laughs> Holy crap. That is a, a whole lot of big house. crap. That's, oh my gosh. But I mean, if you look at the interior, it's carbon fiber everywhere, green accents, a whole lot of goodness inside this thing. So you know what? It's worth $377,000. Right. It is so much money, but but I don't think it's – I mean, it is an obnoxious amount of money, but, but for the car you're getting, I don't think it's that obnoxious. Yeah, I mean, you're getting a Bentley that, that, that handles and drives and can take on a racetrack. So you get a lot of stuff there for your money, I guess. Yep. All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to finish up the show. It looks like we might actually make it pretty close to an hour this time. I was just going to say that. Wow, we're almost um, on time. Technically, we don't have any um, – oh, no, what am I doing? I'm breaking things. Technically, we don't have any questions or, or answers, but uh, we do have some viewers. So I'm going to give all of our viewers one quick second. If you are watching and you want to give us a question – uh, please go ahead and send us your question now in the YouTube chat, and we'll answer that. First thing we're going to do is an own drive burn. Um, nobody gave us an own drive burn last week, so we're going to make one up off the top of our heads and have a good time that way. And um, I think we should do some of the supercars we've been talking about. We're huh. going to do the Bentley, and we're going to do the Rolls-Royce Wraith, and we're going to throw in the... Hmm, what should be our third one? Let's do a Lamborghini Aventador convertible roadster. Oh, you suck. Yeah, we'll do well, an Aventador I... roadster, the Conti, and the Wraith. My burn is very easy. You know where I'm going with this You're one. You're going to burn the Wraith, aren't you? I'm going to burn the Wraith, roll it down the hill, and then piss on it when I'm done. Um, after it's burned, I'm not going to put the fire on. I'm just going to piss on it after it's done on its ashes, you know. I hate it. I don't. It's a cool car. If, I had to, if, if someone handed me the keys, I'd take it, but I'm not going to go buy one for any reason whatsoever. Um, front end's too flat. It still looks like a Rolls Royce to me. So well, because it's a Rolls Royce, it has to still look like a Rolls Royce. Yeah, if you're gonna try to pawn that off to me as a sporty Rolls Royce, then it needs to be sportier at least. Don't have that big flat front end. <laughs> um, between the Aventador and the Continental, I will have to. They're both on. Both got to be uncomfortable to drive. Um, but the Continental's probably less uncomfortable. But now I'm going to have to go with owning the Aventador. Uh, you said the Aventador Roadster, right? Yes. Okay, I have to own that because that's just a look-at-me kind of car, and I'm I'm an ego. What can I say? I have a big ego. I like people looking at me. So <laughs> I want that car, um, and I have to drive the Continental just one time. 
I want to take it on the windiest track I can find to see if I can roll it over or not. <laughs> just see how just see how fast I can get that fat ass going. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I because I've driven a a Lamborghini at, at least. Um, it was not the Aventador Roadster, but I have driven a Lamborghini Roadster twice, or well, two different ones. Well, that's I've a Gallardo. First gen Gallardo and a second gen Gallardo. It's a Gallardo well, it doesn't count. 560 horsepower. I mean, yeah, it, the one Gallardo I drove was beating the hell and back. Well, and okay, yeah. Fuck, take on. Yes, but that was that was the first gen model. The second gen model, which I spent more time in, 560 horsepower. I mean, it was. It was a sweet little little machine, but I, I already have a similar sort of experience to that. So um, I would burn the Aventador. I would drive oh. the Bentley once because, holy crap, a Bentley race car on a racetrack. Um, and you know what? I would live with a Rolls-Royce Wraith. I mean, think about it. I have a Rolls-Royce every day. So if I want to have all the comfort and luxury in the world, I have it. But it's a two-door coupe that I think looks great, and it has 620 freaking horsepower. So, hell yeah, I'm just going to stand on the go faster pedal and whoosh away at the speed of sound any time I want to. Yeah, but if you run into a house, you're going to destroy it. <laughs> the house? <laughs> your insurance bill. <laughs> oh, so Cyprian has chimed into our chat. Burn all of them but the Aventador. Sell the Lambo, buy a Cuda, and take the rest to the bank. That's not the way the game works. Thank you, Cyprian. Thank you. That's not the case. That's not the way the, the game works. the rest of the day off. Otherwise, it would just be like, hey, I'm going to keep the Wraith because it's the most expensive one. Sell it, buy a house, and a Golf GTI. <laughs> Actually, I'd probably sell it and buy a pair of Fiesta STs, and then me and my mm. friends could race after each other down the back roads. <laughs> Uh, burning the burning the Aventador just doesn't sound right to me. I, you know, like but like I said, it's I've I've never I've never driven a Ventador Roadster, but I've sat in one. Oh, see, and I've not done that either. At the um, uh, one of the auto shows I was at um, last is it last year? Yeah, it's late last year or early this year. I can't remember. And there are a whole pile of them there, and there is one Roadster. And I plop my butt down in it, and that's just it's beautiful. I mean, it's. It looks like a spaceship. It feels comfy, but driving it may be different. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Except I've, I've not driven that one. Driving the Gallardo was surprisingly comfortable and surprisingly easy, and surprisingly noisy and awesome and sexy and fast and fun. Um, so I mean, it, it was, it was a, a good time. But I've, I've already had that good time, and I've never been in a Rolls Royce, and I've never driven a Bentley. So I'll drive a Bentley race car once, and then I will take. The fastest, most powerful production Rolls Royce ever, and that's the one I'll keep. So, anyways, that is that is our show. Oh no! We hope everyone has had a good time. We hope everyone has enjoyed us. Um, again, thank you for for tuning in. Thank you for chatting. Uh, don't forget, we need questions for questions and answers. We need own drive burn suggestions. Please drop those in the comments. Um, we will be back next week. Mr. Mark will be with us again. Um, he will be off of vacation. We'll have more cars to talk about. Um, I have something boring to talk about. Mark has something fun to talk about. And uh, we'll probably do a little bit more Miata stuff. So hope everyone has a wonderful Thursday. Has a super great Friday. An awesome weekend. And uh, I guess, do you have anything else to add before we go away, Justin? Nope, just you're wrong. I'm wrong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I'm not, man.
I'm never wrong. Okay, you're incorrect. I'm never incorrect. Okay, then you're just stupid. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Good. Are you going to cry? <laughs> Baby! Dude, you're so mean to me. <laughs> you hurt my feelings. I said, dude, you're so mean to me. You hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> what the? F <laughs> I don't even. What know. was that? I, I I honestly have no idea what. I'm gonna go put some Taylor Swift on. I need to get my manhood back. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you for joining us. We've had a blast. Anyways, again, see you next Thursday. Like, subscribe, comment, do all that stuff. Please leave us questions for next week's show. Please leave us an on-drive burn suggestion for next week's show. We will see you all next Thursday. This has been the TopSpeed.com podcast. Good.